It is Friday, April 2nd here at Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the 18th Quick Hit Pod in our Dynasty Prospect Scouting Report series. I'm your host, Matt Schauff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. You can now find 23 Dynasty Rookie Scouting Reports on DraftSharks.com. Every single one of those is free to read, and they will keep on coming right up until the NFL Draft. You can also check out every one of these accompanying podcasts by subscribing to the Draft Sharks YouTube channel, as well as any of our podcast feeds. Yesterday, it was Florida wideout Kadarius Tony. Today, we return to the backfield for Ohio State running back Trey Sermon, who did not begin his college career there. Sermon was a four-star recruit out of Georgia. He fielded offers from many of the big programs, including Alabama, Florida, and home state Georgia. Sermon chose Oklahoma initially. As a true freshman, he contributed. He was second on the team in carries behind only Rodney Anderson, who was drafted by the Bengals, would have had a better career in college without injuries. Sermon averaged 6.1 yards per carry as a true freshman to 6.2 for Rodney Anderson, so close to him in efficiency that season. 2018, when Sermon was a sophomore, injury limited Anderson to just 11 carries for the season. So Sermon took the lead of that season's backfield, led the Sooners with 164 carries and 13 rushing touchdowns, led the backfield with 12 catches and 181 receiving yards. Kennedy Brooks, though, arrived to the backfield that season. He was the second running back in terms of work, racked up 8.9 yards per rush to beat Sermon in that category and to beat Trey Sermon in overall rushing yards despite carrying 45 fewer times. 2019, Trey Sermon took a significant step back, down to 54 total carries for the season, did deal with a knee injury that cost him some game time, but he also lost carries outside of that injury. Kennedy Brooks was there again, led the backfield that season. Jalen Hurts was also the quarterback that season after transferring. He led the team in carries. And then newcomer Ramondre Stevenson, who we previously profiled on this channel, wound up out carrying Sermon for the season. Sermon sought more playing time, had talked to Lincoln Riley about more playing time. Clearly, they did not agree on what he deserved. And ultimately, Sermon transferred to Ohio State. At Ohio State, he did not need to sit out a year because he was a grad student when he transferred, so he played right away, but still opened the year trailing Master Teague in touches in that backfield. Through five games, Master Teague had 87 carries versus 55 for Trey Sermon. Sermon, though, averaged 6.3 yards per rush versus just 4.9 for Teague over that span. Finally, in the Big Ten title game, Sermon exploded. School record, 331 rushing yards, Two touchdowns on the ground on 29 carries against Northwestern in that game. Sermon followed that with 193 more rushing yards and four receptions in the win over Clemson in the national semifinals. Those two games accounted for 33% of his receptions for the season, 64% of his receiving yards, nearly 52% of his total carries, and 60% of his total rushing yards. So a lot of Trey Sermon's production from that season packed into those two games. Didn't get a chance to follow up on that in the national title game. He left that one after his first carry with an upper body injury. Didn't turn into anything serious, but it was enough to end his season. Yeah, I think those like final three games sort of sum up his college career. It was just like up and down, inconsistent. I mean, there's definitely stuff to like. You like the pretty strong production as a true freshman back at Oklahoma. He he was, uh, Sermon was really strong analytically this past season at Ohio State, um, as you mentioned, 7.5 yards per carry. Uh, Sermon beat 
Travis Etienne and Najee Harris in yards after contact per attempt. He beat Etienne and matched Najee Harris in missed tackles force per attempt. He beat both those guys in elusive rating. He beat Travis Etienne in PFF rushing grade. Harris did beat Sermon in PFF rushing grade. So it was a, it was a strong year on the ground. But at the same time, it's you know why why couldn't he capture a larger role earlier than that? You know why did he not really break out until late in his senior season? So you know some stuff to like, but but some concerns too. I think with his uh, college production profile. Yeah, I would say at least reason for caution. So let's move now into the film review portion. We got the highlights up. I think Sermon's a pretty good watch on tape. He's not huge at 215 pounds, but he's big and he runs strong. He also brings nice agility. I think he backed that up with a 6.83 second three cone drill at the Ohio State Pro Day. Didn't deal with a lot of traffic behind the line of scrimmage in the games I watched, but I think Sermon does display the vision and cutting ability to get around that at times in the backfield when he does find that. There's some vision to set up moves as defenders approach, especially once he gets beyond the line of scrimmage. He runs a bit upright. That could be more of an issue in the pros than it was in college where guys are going to be on him quicker, they're bigger, they're stronger. I think that could be an issue that limits his rushing efficiency on a per carry basis in the pros. He's not hiding behind his blockers as he approaches the line of scrimmage. And then as a receiver, you don't get to see much. I think Sermon did look comfy on the limited samples that I saw. Buckeyes didn't really use him outside of the typical you know, screen swing type passes for running backs. Um, you can check my article, though, on DraftTracks.com. There are, I did find a couple clips from his Oklahoma time where he caught the ball a little further downfield, and he does look like he's, he transitions pretty smoothly from catch into run after catch. Yeah, I agree. I think he was, you know, fine at the basic stuff in the passing game. You know, he looks comfortable catching the ball. He can do the, the basic routes. I don't think he's going to be like a plus-plus guy in the passing game at the NFL level. On, on the ground, you know, good combination of size, quickness and power, which, you know, showed up again in the yards after contact stuff, the missed tackles forced stuff. Uh, you mentioned the strong three cone time. Sermon was also 80th percentile among running backs in the vertical, 88th percentile in the broad jump. So he, he's a good athlete. Now he did run just a four, five, seven, 40. And I think that shows on the tape too. You know, he, he's, he doesn't have the breakaway speed. He's not going to bust the long runs, but you know, he, he can, he can break the 15, 20, 25 yard runs, which, you know, is really what we get more often at the NFL level. So I think he's a good looking runner and again, probably serviceable, I'd say in the passing game. Yeah. And I think serviceable is probably a good transition word into his fantasy outlook for the NFL. I like Trey Sermon better than Ramondre Stevenson after studying them both for these purposes. I think there's similar run strength to them. And I think Sermon has more juice, more agility, um, as you were just talking about with how he tested. And I think it does show up. I think he has more of that cutting ability that's going to help. I also don't think that he's a player worth getting excited about right now. I wouldn't be surprised to see Sermon go anywhere from round three to round five in the NFL draft. So I think draft capital and immediate opportunity are going to matter significantly for him. Again, the fact that he never took over control of a backfield across two stops in college, it's reason for caution. I mean, sometimes it's just a matter of coaches not doing the right thing. And maybe he was the better player and didn't get what he deserved. But maybe it was also the coaches doing the right thing. And he's just a guy who should share a backfield. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we've said this about so many running backs in this class. It's just going to come down to, you know, where they land. And it's like that most years. But the, the more we've studied this running back class and talked through them, kind of the more jumbled the rankings have gotten in my mind. I mean, to me, it's it's still Travis Etienne, Najee Harris kind of in, in tier one. For me, it's Javante Williams in tier two. And then it's like everyone else. And landing spot and projected opportunity is really going to determine how we value these guys in, in both Dynasty and uh, 2021 redrafts. 
Yeah, I would say for me right now, it's Etienne and Harris, then it's Williams and Kenneth Gainwell, and then it's everybody else. And Sermon's definitely in that group where, you know, if he's in the third round and he goes to like Pittsburgh, then I'm like, all right, I'm interested in Trey Sermon for 2021. But if he goes in round five to Buffalo, then I'll probably forget his number. Definitely. And I'd say, you know, among that group of jumbled guys, like Sermon is someone I I kind of want to see get a chance in, you know, somewhere like Pittsburgh or Atlanta, where there's a pretty clear path to, for, you know, him to be the clear lead runner. Yes, I agree with that. I think that if he lands, even if he lands in round five, if it's in a better, if it's in a good situation, I don't think he's going to be Raquel Armstead. I think he'll be significant <laughs> in that kind of situation. Agreed. Head over to DraftSharks.com now to see my full scouting report on Trey Sermon. While you're there, check out the 22 other prospect scouting reports that we've already posted. Check back for more right up until the NFL draft. As I've mentioned, those prospect scouting reports are free to read, but you got to lock in your DS Insider access if you want to see where all these players land in our dynasty rankings, both now and where they move to after they have NFL draft landing spots. You can also find our 2021 rankings and the dynamic MVP draft board, which is customizable to fit your draft needs now and throughout the summer. You can also find us on Twitter. We are at DraftSharks. Jared is at SmolaDS. I am at ShaufDS. It's S-C-H-A-U-F. For Jared Smola and the rest of the DraftSharks crew, I'm Matt Schaaf saying thanks so much for swimming with us.